many of you notice that chairs are different on the platform? One thing or two possibilities, just so you know, are going to happen in the next little bit. This is just a public service announcement. Uh, either we change, well, three things. Either we change the chairs again, or we put extensions to raise the chairs again, or we hire people to help me up and down. So one of those things are going to happen. I'm really proud of myself. I got up and down out of there by myself. Brother Eric, I don't think that's going to happen too many more weeks. So you might have to come up and volunteer to help the old man up. But to take your Bibles with me and turn tonight to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. We're going to talk tonight about Paul's desire for the church. Paul's desire for the local church. I saw a funny post on social media this last week, and the post said something along the lines of, if Paul uh, could see the American church today, we'd be getting a letter. And uh, I laughed at that, but uh, understand uh, there is no American church or Canadian church. Uh, there's local churches. Uh, the letters and the epistles that we read of, we've been studying in the, our Bible are letters to local churches. And we understand here tonight as we look in the book of Colossians, we just uh, got finished studying the book of Colossians, a letter written to the church at Colossae, a local body of believers there that we see the desire here for that local church, but not just independent of that body of believers, but for us tonight as a local body of believers, we see that. I want you to follow along with me, verses 1 through 13. Uh, in Colossians chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timotheus, our brother, and to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and to the Father our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth, as ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister to Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will, and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering, with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. Praise God for that verse. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your purpose for us as a local body of believers. Lord, as we've looked the last couple of Sunday nights, Lord, focusing on your purpose for us. And Lord, as we hone in again, Lord, on that thought, that theme this evening, 
Lord, I pray that we would fill the purpose you've made us for. Lord, help us to glorify you. Help us to enjoy the relationship that we can have with you. Help us to be telling others and sharing that relationship with others. And Lord, I ask for your help tonight as a preacher of your word. Lord, I pray you'd help me to preach and write your truth. Lord, I pray for every person gathered here this evening. Lord, I pray for those that are connected via our live stream as well, those that will hear our message later. Lord, I pray that you would use your word in every heart. Lord, I pray you'd meet needs. Lord, I pray you'd help us as a church. Lord, I pray you'd help us not just to enjoy ourselves, although we do. Help us not just to gather and sing your praises and enjoy fellowship, although, Lord, I'm so glad we get to do all of that. But Lord, would you help us, Lord, to meet your desires, to fulfill your purpose. Lord, we need your direction this evening, your help. Thank you, Lord, for your great love. In your precious name we pray. Amen. We see a few things here in this passage. We see, and we're going to talk about Paul's desire tonight, but we see in verse 6, it says, Which is coming to you, as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you since the day you heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. How wonderful that the gospel in the church in Colossae was making an impact in their city. And I praise God that the gospel still makes an impact. The gospel still has an effect. Brother Will and I were talking before the service, and he said he, he can't wait someday to get to heaven uh, to find out the impact that the tracks you got to work on there, the, uh, what, what do I do about coronavirus? We use thousands of them, uh, the impact that they had. And, you know, so often we don't always see the impact of our testimony. We don't always see the impact of the, of the message of the gospel we put forth. But praise God, the gospel has an impact. Praise God, it made an impact in Colossae. We see that here. Uh, look, if you will, at verse 7. It says, As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear, dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared... Unto us your love in the Spirit. Now, we see tonight not just an encouragement, not just a challenge, but this, we could take time looking at this declaration tonight. A declaration of what we ought to be, and what a local church ought to be, and how we ought to honor the Lord. But we see in verse 9, it says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. We're going to focus on that desire tonight. And as we look at it, not just the desire for the church at Colossae, but the desire for every local church, every local body of believers uh, those that gather in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, those that are saved and called uh, together for His purpose. Tonight we're going to focus on just a few things here. God had done some work through this local church in Colossae, and we see there was a desire, a desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will and wisdom and spiritual understanding. I believe we as believers... We as members of this church, we ought to have a desire 
we ought to have a desire. Number one is uh, we're going to talk tonight here about the, de the desire that they understand the will of God. The desire that they understand the will of God there in verse 9. That you might be filled with the knowledge of His will. The knowledge of His will. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand tonight, but I wonder how many Christians have ever thought, I just wish I knew what God wanted. We've all been there. We've, we've been there. By the way, we're there a lot. Tomorrow, my wife and I, tomorrow evening, my wife and I are going to do something that I don't enjoy doing. But I love my wife. And I love my family. I'm going to go shopping for the gym. I hate shopping. The worst kind of shopping is shopping this time of the year. Brother Eric, I almost lose my salvation every time I go out. My wife has, I have to get, I have to, Brother Maude has to come bail me out of jail for beating somebody. I, but I'm, my wife and I are going Christmas present shopping tomorrow night. And uh, we're, uh, my wife said on the way here, do we need to ask the girls what they want, what they desire, or do you have something figured out? And uh, I said, yeah, I'm going to buy them a, some coal. And then I remembered Justin Trudeau put too much of a carbon tax on coal. Uh, so I don't know what I'm going to be able to afford to buy them, Brother Ahmad. But I, we know what it is to think, okay, i got to buy a gift for so-and-so. Now, there are certain people that are easy to buy a gift for. Certain people, oh, man, they love this, or he loves this, or she loves that. And then there's that one person in every family, like, what do you buy them? I was going up to uh, Grand Prairie years ago with my old neighbor, and we were going to go hunting with a man who's passed away since. And the man, very well-known man, his name was Jack Barton. Uh, Jack Barton was a, a millionaire, very rich man. He owned a, a business there called Barton's Outdoors, sporting goods company there. He was known as Mr. Whitetail. He was uh, one of the, the premier hunting guys in all of Alberta, very well-known in the hunting community, he was the, the man. And we were going there to stay at his home, and, and my neighbor said to me, what do you buy a guy like that? A guy that has everything, if he wants something, he goes and buys it. And me being a genius, uh, no, I said to him, I said, we don't buy him anything. I said, when we get to Grand Prairie, let me take care of it. We got to Grand Prairie. He lives out of town. We get to Grand Prairie. I said, take me to a grocery store. We went to a grocery store. Brother Maud, I bought a beautiful 24 bouquet of roses, beautiful red roses, beautiful vase. I mean, it was gorgeous. We walked into Jack Barton's house. I walked right past Jack Barton. I gave it to his wife. I said, here you go. We bought you a present. Can I tell you that that gift meant more to him than if we'd have bought him anything? Because we gave something to someone he loved. Now, so often we struggle, and if we're really honest, we struggle with knowing what God wants. We struggle wondering, what should my Christian life look like? What should my service look like? 
Well, what is it? We see here Paul had a prayer and a desire for the church at Colossae that they might be filled with the knowledge of his will. It's sad that many people are ignorant, are ignorant of the will of God. Can I tell you why we are ignorant of the will of God? Because we don't read the word of God. Because the will of God is revealed in the word of God. Now, God has some of his will not revealed to us through Scripture, but much of the will of God is very outlined and very plain and very obvious in Scripture. For instance, it's God's will that all men be saved. And by the way, that that causes a real problem uh, for the Calvinist uh, today. Uh, who believe that God has a will that he's saved and she's not saved. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2.4, who will have all men to be saved. It's pretty plain. Now, does that mean everyone will be saved? No. Because God will not force his grace on anyone. But who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? It's God's will that every person be saved. Now, if that's the truth, and it is, it's the word of God, then part of God's will that we all ought to know is that we should be telling people about Jesus Christ. That's everybody. There's nobody, oh, no, I don't want to tell her or him. I don't want to tell that group of people. I don't want to tell them. Everybody ought to know God wants everyone to be saved. Uh, Next, we know that God wants all people who are saved to be baptized. It's the plan of God. It's the will for every believer that they obey the Lord in baptism. By the way, many Christians struggle in knowing the will of God because they've trusted Christ, but they have not yet taken that first step of obedience in the will of God for their life in obeying him in this matter of baptism. Now, baptism won't get you to heaven. You can get dunked in that baptistry a thousand times. You'll just, uh, if you're not safe when you go in, you'll just come out a wet, lost person. That's it. You may grow gills you've been in there so long, but it won't get you to heaven. But as a believer, a, the will of God for every Christian, every Christian, every born-again child of God, is that they are baptized as a public confession of their faith, as a matter of connecting with the local church, as a matter of, of showing forth what has happened on the inside as a testimony, and that is the will of God. And so often we struggle with knowing the will of God because we actually know the will of God, but we don't want it. How many of you tomorrow morning, your alarm's going to go off, maybe 6 o'clock, 6.30, 7 you teenagers, the crack of noon. And uh, the alarm's going to go off, and you're going to reach over. Huh, uh, uh, try to find it. Try to swipe the right way on your phone. Some of you are so good you can do it without even waking up. But if you wake up, if Brother Eric actually wakes up and his alarm goes off in the morning, oh, you know, I know the thought that's going to go through his mind. I don't want to go to work. I know I'm supposed to go to work. I know I'm supposed to get up, but I don't want to. You traveling tomorrow? Wednesday? He doesn't want to travel. <laughs> but he's going to. Now, many of us, we know the will of God, but we don't want it. 
Paul said here, I desire that they know, that they have the knowledge of God's will. We know that God wants every person to be saved. God wants saved people to be baptized. And as we see in the book of Acts, God's pattern and plan, God wants us, after we've done that, to be a part of a local church. One of the wonderful things about the local church is that opportunity that we have to be a part of God's purpose and God's plan for the organism that God created. And we see that here. God's will for us is to be a witness to others. We know that. There are many things the Bible says this is the will of God. Maybe six months ago I preached about some of those things. But we see the desire of Paul for the local church in Colossae and for us, and I believe God's desire for us tonight is that we know the will of God. Now, here's what we think the will of God is. I'm going to pick on Brother Will. If we look at Brother Will, Brother Will says, Brother Will, what's the will of God? Brother, and Brother Will says, some of you ask him, where, are you gonna, where, do you think, where do you think God's going to have you? What church or what area? And he's praying for that direction. But that's not the only portion of the will of God for him. The, the location of where God would have him establish his church or become a pastor, that's part of the will of God for him. But that's not all the will of God for him. We want to look at something in the future and say, I don't know the will of God. But you do. God has a will for you now. I remember as a college student praying and asking God to reveal his will to me about the direction he would have for my life. And God didn't reveal that to me. I remember a list of, I've got it somewhere. I've been looking, I'll probably find it when I go through my office after we get our renovations done. I've got a paper that I listed all kinds of places around the world and prayed and asked God, God, if you want me to go there, I'll go. God, if you want me to go there, I'll go. And God didn't reveal that to me. So you know what I did? I sat down, twiddled my thumbs, and just waited till God tells me what to do. No. Why? Because God had a will for me right then. God eventually would have a will for me to come to Canada after I graduated from college but until that time came, God had a will for me where I was. And teenagers, God has a will for your life right now. I praise God you can be involved. Next Sunday night, our youth involved service, you can be a part of that. That's the will of God for you now. So, Pastor, I don't know what I'm going to do someday, but what are you going to do right now? How are you serving God now? What's the will of God for your life now? God wants us to know that. We see Paul's desire here. By the way, if you are not active in every aspect of your local church, if you're not faithfully gathering together as God commands us to, if you're not actively reading the Word of God and praying, have a relationship with Christ, telling others about Jesus Christ, can I tell you, you're already not fulfilling the will of God. We want to pick and choose, well, I want to do this and I want to do that, and God, I want to tell you what else I can have. But God wants us to know that will and fulfill that will. Number two, another one of Paul's desires here we see in the book of Colossians is that they would utilize the wisdom of God. Notice in verse 9, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will, notice, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Several years ago, someone gave me a Cadillac. It was a, oh man, what was it called? 
a DeVille Concourse, I think. Big boat of a thing. It had the North Star engine. I think North Star, is that right? I mean, of course, my car guys. Is that right? North Star engine? And there are many engines now that have this same thing, but it was one of the first back then that at lower RPMs and lower torque demands, it shut off some cylinders. The computer would shut down some of the cylinders. So if you're cruising, it might be running four cylinders, might be operating and keeping the engine running. But if you hit the throttle, wide open throttle, the computer would recognize, oh, everybody needs to wake up. Hey, 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 cylinder number two, wake up. Hey, cylinder number five, wake up. They need everybody. And all the power was there. Many vehicles have that option nowadays. Can I tell you that we have, and this is a wonderful thing, we, we have the, uh, God's wisdom. As we think of that thought number two, that wisdom of God, we have it, but we need to utilize it as God wants us to correctly. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. We spent uh, two weeks ago talking about that passage and that truth about wisdom. God wants us to realize how to use what he's given us. God's given us his wisdom. God wants us to put it in effect. Wisdom, by the way, is not determined by your age. Wisdom is not determined by your experience, your education, your intellect. Wisdom is determined by whether you ask the Father to give you wisdom or not. Proverbs 4, verse 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Proverbs 16, verse 16, How much better is it to get wisdom than gold, and to get understanding rather to be chosen than silver? We see the desire here, as I said, number two, is that they understand how to utilize the wisdom that God gives us. Christian, are we using are we using what God's given us correctly? Are we using the wisdom God wants to give us and implementing it correctly? I was going to pick on Miss Lois for a minute. We have it's it's partially moved, so I can't pick on her fully tonight. As we were moving things for the ladies thing, I noticed that we had a songbook over here holding up the songbook rack or on the piano. And we're counting our songbooks. And I looked at that songbook. Now we got the light holding it up, so we're good. Uh, but it's still right there, not in service. Uh, and that's not what a songbook's made for. A songbook's made to open up and, and look at the songs and sing the songs. It wasn't being utilized. So often what God's given you, we don't utilize we don't utilize it. God wants us to know what he's given us and how to use what he's given us, and we get that from the wisdom of God. Number three tonight, we see in verse 10, this thought of under... Look at verse 10 with me first, and we'll get back to it. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Number three, Paul's desire was that they undertake to walk with God. That they undertake to walk with God. That you walk worthy. 
How many of you, growing up, maybe when you're younger, you had a friend, maybe your best friend, and you met another friend, and you wanted your friends to become friends, so you didn't have a divided friend group. How many of you I'm talking about? You wanted, hey, uh, my friend Bob here, I've got a friend Joe. I, I want Joe and Bob to get to know each other and be friends so we can be together in all we do. Otherwise, Joe's going to say, hey, why don't we go do this? And Bob says, hey, why don't you do this? And there's that pull of, do I go with Joe or do I go with Bob? Or even better, why don't we go together? God wants us to be walking together with him as a local church. And we see that that you walk in verse 10, worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Christian, God's desire for you is that you would walk with him. And I'm not going to belabor that point tonight. We, we spent a while speaking about that two weeks ago. But we need to walk with the Lord. We spent a whole Sunday night talking about how we walk with the Lord, but we go the direction the Lord is going. We, uh, we communicate along the journey. So many ways that we walk, but we go that same direction. I was talking to someone yesterday about a business close to here two days ago. Uh, yesterday, last night. And I was telling them where it was. I said, yeah, it's about a, about a 10 block, 10 blocks from here. It's maybe a 20-minute walk. You could walk, here, walk there from here. Now, if I gave every one of you tonight that GPS coordinate, and if the weather were a little warmer, uh, and if you had more energy than you have right now, and I said, hey, let's all go there. Let's all meet up at that business 10 blocks away. If Royce, he looks directionally challenged. No, hold on, hold on. I'm looking for someone more directionally challenged. Oh, there he is, Brother Mike. Yeah, Brother Mike got out of here. Brother Mike went south on 95th Street. It's going to be a long drive. He's going to have to drive all the way down to the United States, all the way down Mexico. He's going to have to go all the way back around the world to come because it's north. Uh, you know, if we all go different directions, we're not going to make it there. But if we all have the same direction, the same place, we're going together we'll end up the same place together. God wants us to undertake a walk with him. My mom sent me a picture this week. My dad, many of you have been praying for my dad. My dad had some serious health issues with his leg and struggled getting around for months, months and months. And he's been trying to become more mobile my dad lately has been trying to walk two or three miles a day. Mind you, my dad several months ago could barely get from his chair to the bedroom. And my mom took a picture. I was on the phone with her and she said, oh, I see your dad. I'll take a picture. She took a picture from the front porch, took a picture down the road. My dad walking down, coming back from his walk down the two -lane, little two-lane highway where I grew up as he was walking back to the house. Now, he walked, I think, three miles that day. One and a half miles away and one and a half miles back. But the first time he walked, he didn't walk that far. He probably walked to the bottom of the hill and <laughs> struggled to get back up. 
Christian, would we begin a walk with God? I'm not saying uh, you need to walk with God like the great prophets of old, but would we begin that walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, that daily walk, as we spend time in his word, spend time in prayer? By the way, parents, you set the tone. You set the tone for your children. When your children see mom and dad stay home from church on Sunday, on Wednesday, uh, find other things that seem to be more important to them when their parents say that they love the Lord Jesus Christ. When mom and dad, you set a pattern to your children that there are so many things more important than God and God's purpose, we set a precedent that church is not important, that God's word's not important, the ministry's not important. Not as important as the Bible says it is. Not as important as the preacher or the church says it is. And they grow up with a mentality that churches, eh, take it or leave it. By the way, we're seeing it today. We're seeing it today. Every generation. Every generation, a larger attrition. Why? Because we make little of our walk with God. Number four, and I've got to hurry tonight. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 there, that they may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Notice this, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Number four, Paul's desire is that they would be united. That they would unite in the work of God. I'm not talking about ecumenicalism here. I'm not talking about people of all faiths and uh, all uh, beliefs coming together. No, th this is a letter to a local church. It's not saying, uh, Church of Colossae, I wish, I wish you'd join hands with the pagan worshipers in Colossae and do something. No. By the way, there were, there were pagan, pagans in Colossae. Matter of fact, most of Colossae. Rather, it was, I, I, my desire is that you, the body of believers in Colossae, would be united. That you would be united together. Years ago, when I was a boy, I went to a vacation Bible school. By the way, uh, we're looking at doing our very first vacation Bible school this summer. And I've got some more things on the schedule for the year. I just thought about that. I forgot to mention that. But uh, we... Uh, i got to go to a vacation Bible school in the country, just a, a little country church across the road from where I grew up. And I didn't learn much at the vacation Bible school. I'll tell you what I learned, Brother Will. You won't even know what this is probably, but uh, somebody there taught us a song. They taught us to sing uh, Amazing Grace to a different tune. I thought it was cool. I came home. I was singing that song. For the mod, I was singing Amazing Grace to the tune of the House of the Rising Sun. <laughs> if you don't know what that song is, you don't need to know. Just understand, it wasn't a good song. Uh, but that's the kind of vacation Bible school that I went to that time. I didn't learn a whole lot. Uh, but I did get to play football. That's, that's more important than singing Amazing Grace to the House of the Rising Sun. And we played football together and one of the kids that played football, he was a big kid. Now, I know I'm a big kid. I was, just, I was maybe nine years old at the time. 
And this kid was my second or third cousin. My, my wife met his sister at my grandmother's, my uncle's funeral one time. We're at a funeral. And this girl, my wife, sat beside and she mentions, oh, I'm Brian's husband or Brian's wife. That was what she said. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God. Anyway, and she said to Carrie, oh, he's a cute one. Carrie got all defensive. Who is that girl? I'm like, that's my cousin. It is West Virginia. I understand that can be a problem, but... But her brother was a monster of a guy, and he was probably five years older than us. He was a mountain. And when we played football, they give the ball to Toby, my cousin, my second cousin. Toby, get the ball. Remember the old cartoon, Fat Albert? He looked a lot like Fat Albert, except the skin tone was different. And he'd just take the ball, go down the field. We try to tackle him. There'd be five kids on this leg and five kids on this leg. And he'd just go down and score every time. I hate to lose. I really, really hate to lose. Uh, I'm hmm, slightly competitive. And I was on the opposite team from him. And I called the guys together. I said, guys, we got to take him down. I said, we got to take him down. I said, we can't let him score. So I got the whole team together. And I hatched a plan. And when that ball snapped and they gave the ball to Toby, is Toby going down the field, bouncing down the field. I did something that I learned watching NFL football. I did a shoestring tackle. How many of you know what a shoestring tackle is? I, I planned it. I threw my body sideways at his ankles. And then I had my other teammates go behind him. And they pushed him forward. And we took him down. I don't think David, when he killed Goliath, was any happier than we were when we took down Toby. I looked for a sword. I was going to cut his head off and carry it to Ziklag. But I, oh, man, we, we didn't win. We lost the game, but we took him down one time. It never worked again, Brother Ma, but it worked once. But we came together. Christians, I wonder what we could accomplish for the Lord if we would be united in God's work. I wonder how effectively we could reach our city. I wonder how effectively we could reach our families, our coworkers, our loved ones. I wonder the extent that we could minister to the homeless here on the streets of our city just outside the doors of our building. I wonder the impact we could have in the lives of people that are hurting need help. We see here the desire of Paul was that they be united, that they unite in that local church in Colossae for the work of God. Getting together. By the way, we're all different. We all look different. We talk different. We have different likes, different dislikes. We have different backgrounds. Of different ideas. By the way, this is gonna this is gonna scare you. We don't all agree on everything. Imagine that. By the way, you husbands and wives, I'm gonna take a stab in the dark here. I'm gonna pick on Herman for a second. Your wife told me something. What would you say? Can you help me find another husband? 
Anyway, I better not go there. But there, you know, husbands and wives, we don't always agree on everything. My wife and I, believe it or not, be ready to pass out. We don't always agree on everything. Do we ever agree on everything? By the way, so often we don't want to be united together because they don't think exactly like me. They don't, have the, they don't have the same exact thoughts that I have. Christians, we need to be united because we are God's children. Members of the local body of Christ together, we should be united in the work of God. Our differences do not keep us from being united. Rather, like our body, every part different. And yet join together for the purpose that God made it. And God has you here for the purpose God preordained. Number 5 tonight in verse 10. It says that you might walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Number Number five tonight, we see Paul's desires that they would uphold. They would uphold the word of God. They would uphold the word of God. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Make much of Christ. And make much of this book. You can look around in our culture today. And you can see the result. Brother Will's been traveling across the U.S., traveling in Canada. He'll tell you this is true. The result of not making much of this book and not making much of Christ is the world thinks this is useless. By the way, our government, and I praise God for a country. I praise God for the freedoms that we enjoy. I praise God for the blessing that we have to be in Canada and how wonderful that is. But our government last year in the last 12 months, passed a law citing this book as being basically useless and that the teaching of this book were basically fairy tale. That's the country we live in today. By the way, it's not our government's fault. It's not our politicians' fault. It's not the liberals' fault. Oh, yeah, but they're, no, it's not their fault. It's our fault as believers because we have not made much of this book. We need to uphold the word of God. We see the desire here that they would increase in the knowledge of God. By the way, upholding the inspiration of Scripture, this book is not, not just an assortment of messages of different men. This is God's word. By the way, the book of Colossians, the letter of Colossians was not a letter that Paul said, okay, I think the church in Colossae is having some trouble. I'm going to help them. I'm going to write some letter here. Here, take this to them. No. God said by inspiration to Paul, Paul, this is what I want you to pen. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. This is not Paul's words. It's the word of God. Penned by man, inspired, word for word, plenary inspiration from God. It's not the thoughts of God into the words of man. We need to uphold this book. Understand its importance. Why? Because this is God's book. God's book. 
God's word that they may uphold the word of God. Not only the inspiration, but the preservation of the Bible. Psalm 12, verse 6 says, The words of the Lord are pure words. The silver tried in the furnace of earth purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Kept by his word. God is the one who preserves his word, his book. It's not enough. Christian, get this. It's not enough for us to say, I have the perfect word of God. So, Pastor, do you believe we do? I sure do. I wouldn't be here tonight. I'd find a way to earn an honest living. I'm serious. If I didn't believe this book was true, I wouldn't be here. I'd find something worth doing. But it's not enough for us to say, I believe I have the word of God. I believe God's preserved his word. I, I believe I have it today in the English language in the King James, and I believe that. But that's not enough if all you do is say you believe it. If all you do is say, yep, I believe I've got the word of God. If I don't allow the perfect word of God in my heart, if I don't allow it to work in me, through me, I was in Chicago many years ago. It was summertime. It was hot. It was so hot that people were dying. That, that's a hot summer when people are dying. And it was miserable. It was the summer of 1994 or 95. I can't remember. Maybe 95. And it was so hot. My friend and I were going to Chicago. We were going to visit our bus route and we were going to go see the young folks who brought to church, and we decided because it was so hot, we were going to stop and buy a super soaker. How many of you remember super soakers? Hallelujah. When those, you, man, remember when you got your first super soaker? It was like the God of heaven came down and said, here, I have a gift for you, Will. And I remember we're going to buy a super soaker. We're going to fill it full of water. We're going to go around house to house visiting the kids and <laughs> blast them when they come to the door. And then we're going to give it away on the bus the next day. It was a great idea. Great idea. So we stopped at Walgreens, kind of like Rexall. We stopped at Walgreens. I went inside. My buddy stayed in the car. I went in. I bought the Super Soaker. I came out. I got in my car, my 1977 Ford Granada, high-class automobile. That's what I was driving when I started dating my wife. My wife fell for me because of my car. I have no doubt about it. And... I went to open it, had the plastic zip ties on it, and I reached in my pocket, and on a very rare occasion, I almost always have a knife in my pocket. It's a very rare day that Pastor Rice doesn't have some sort of knife. And I reached in my pocket. I didn't have a knife. Brother Jim, that's almost like me being naked and not having a knife. And I said to my friend, Jeremy, I said, hey, do you have a knife? And he said, oh, yeah, I got a knife. And he pulled out this Boy Scout knife. And it was about as sharp as a butter knife. And I'm trying to cut those zip ties. You know what I'm talking about? The zip ties, and they're hard to cut. And So I stuck the knife in. I did what you're not supposed to do. Darren will not be surprised that I blood is involved in the story. But I was trying to get it, and I'm, and I'm twisting, trying to use the knife to twist and break it rather than cut it because the knife's so dull. And I'm, 
And you can see the scar right here. I stuck the knife clear through my hand. A doll knife. And I, I pulled the knife out of my hand. My buddy was kind of distracted, looking around somewhere. He didn't realize what happened. He looked over, and I was like, oh. And he said, oh, did you cut yourself? Do you need me to go in and get you a bandage? I went, does it look like I need a bandage? And I opened my hand like this, and, and I, I don't want to make you sick tonight, but blood began to spurt onto the ceiling of my car. And my buddy said, I think we need to take you to the hospital. So I had a thing of laundry, clean laundry in the back of my car. I grabbed a towel, a bath towel. I stuck it in my hand. I wrapped it, and we tied it around my hand. And I drove myself to the hospital, and I got out. My buddy stayed out in the car. I went in, and they put me in a big triage unit, a room about this size, beds all around, triage around this giant hospital in Chicago. Now, remember, super hot. People are dying. I watched, literally watched, from my triage bed. I watched two people die. Older people were struggling with the heat and it was bad. As you can imagine, those of you who work in the medical field, you know how difficult that must have been. The nurses were overworked. They were struggling. Finally, one of the nurses came to me. I'd been there a long time. And she unwrapped the towel off of my hand. She had me open my hand and lay it on the tray. She got it looked like a, a water, you know, the, the water pick, dental pick, you know what I'm talking about? It looked like that to clean my wound. She turned it on, a little jet of water, and started sticking it through my hand. And I grabbed the edge of that triage bed and went, as she is stabbing that thing through the hole in my hand that I made with a knife. And this nurse looked at me like she was my mother and said, what's wrong with you? You can't feel that. I already numbed your hand. And she's got this thing still sticking through my hand. And I said to her, ma'am, I know you've had a hard day. I know it's really rough on you. I said, but this is the, you're the first person I've seen and there's been no numbing in my hand whatsoever. She began to weep, ran away. I was rather in pain. Now, they had perfectly good drugs there, Brother Ahmad, that they could have injected in my hand, and local anesthetic may or may not have worked for me, but to numb my hand. But they didn't use it. Just because they had local anesthetic, just because they had needles to insert it, didn't do any good for me. Christian, you know, you want to say, yeah, preacher, we have the Bible. We need to uphold the Word of God. But are you applying it in your life? Is it real to you today? 
We have to do that. And lastly, we've got to close with this. Number six and verse number 12 in our text. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints and light. Number six, Paul's desire was that they might uplift him in worship. Giving thanks unto the Father. That word worship is a word that has been stolen and bastardized in our culture today. What many people call worship is false worship. But sadly, we have looked at that word worship and thought, no, that's, that's a bad word. But no, it's not. God wants you and God wants me to worship him. God wants right worship. By the way, because Cain brought of the fruits of the ground to worship his God did not mean that Abel shouldn't have brought the lamb, the sacrifice. Abel brought right sacrifice, right worship for God. Cain brought wrong worship. God wants us. His desire for you and for me is that we would worship him. Verse 12, which hath made us meet to be partakers. Can I tell you what you have to worship God about? He's made you meet. He's made it possible for you to belong to him. He's put your name in the Lamb's book of life. Verse 13, it says, who hath delivered you from the power of darkness. By the way, before you got saved, you were not your own. You were not in control of yourself. You were controlled by Satan himself. Jesus said to Paul, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Paul was an enemy of God. And by the way, so was I. And so were you without the Lord Jesus Christ. But I have been set free. And I can worship him. I can praise him. It goes on to say and has translated us in the kingdom of his dear son. I don't speak Farsi. How many of you are surprised by that? But I could say a phrase in English. Brother Mog could translate it into Farsi. He could take my English words, translate it from what it was into a different language. We could even do it more than that. We could take, uh, I could say in English. Uh, someone else could take uh, in Tagalog to English and English to Farsi. We could bounce around to different languages and translate and change words and change languages. But the Bible says that God takes us and he translates us or changes us into the kingdom of his dear son. Let's look at verse 14 and we'll close here in prayer. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. He's worthy of your worship. Can I tell you that God is the one who desires your worship tonight? That's his purpose for you and for me, that we glorify him. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray you'd help us this evening to realize what your purpose for us is. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we have to gather as a church. Lord, I'm so glad that you're concerned about us, about our gathering this evening, about us individually. Lord, you've got a purpose for us. And Lord, I pray that we'd fulfill that purpose. Lord, I pray you'd bless. Lord, I pray you'd be with decisions that may need to be made this evening. Lord, I pray that we would desire to please you. Lord, maybe it is tonight that Lord, we know your will, but we want a different will. 
We want to change with somebody else. We want to jump past the will now to a will later. Well, maybe it is we're not lifting up this book enough. Well, maybe we're not in unity as we ought to be in service. Lord, whatever it is, Lord, help us tonight. May your will be done in our hearts. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us tonight? Brother Colton is going to lead us in a song of invitation this evening. Eighty-nine, and we'll sing the first and the third. All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily. Third is the last. All to Jesus I surrender, make me Savior, holy thine. Let me feel the Holy Spirit, truly know that thou worthy of it. He gave his all for us, and we give our all for him. Let's pray, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings of today. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for all you're going to do. Lord, I pray you dismiss us now with your grace. Lord, I pray for Brother Will. Lord, I pray you would give him, uh, meet his needs. I pray that you give him direction. Uh, Lord, lead him. Thank you for your call on his life. Thank you for his surrender. Uh, bless us now. In your precious name we pray. Amen. <laughs>